Our gospel reading on this second Sunday of Advent comes from the Gospel of Luke, the third chapter beginning with the first verse. Let us continue listening now for a word from God. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Etruria and Tronconitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. Friends, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon today is titled, Flannel Graphs, Wilderness Guides, and Gratitude. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, enter into the wilderness of this life. Take us by the hand, show to us the light that points towards the coming Savior. That we too might find the hope that others have found. And that we too may be guided by it. Indeed, O God, we pray that through the work of your Spirit, the words of my mouth, and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight might be pleasing. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Craig Barnes, a Presbyterian minister and seminary president, remembers how in his childhood Sunday school class back in the 1960s, the state-of-the-art media technology of the day was a flannel graph board. I had no idea what a flannel graph board was. The state-of-the-art media technology of my day, also known as a computer, helped me figure it out. It is literally a board wrapped in flannel upon which you can attach other objects made of flannel, or I learned sandpaper or Velcro these days. Barnes recalls how his teacher in Sunday school, Mrs. Williams, would take those cutouts of biblical characters and she would press them into the board with her long bony fingers. That's the drawback of a flannel graph is it sometimes takes a lot of pressing to get things to actually stick to it. And as a result, many of those characters used week after week took a bit of a beating. He remembers in particular the Apostle Paul, who was wrinkled not only under the pressure of her fingers, but who had also had Kool-Aid spilled on him at one point. 
And at another, when Barnes and his friend Johnny Burke got into a fight over who would hand Paul to Mrs. Williams, he had been torn in two and was now taped back together. Barnes writes about this memory and says, While it may not have been her intent, Mrs. Williams was in fact proclaiming a holy mystery to her third graders. Namely, that God is not always easy on the people who are used in the biblical drama. Over and over, the Bible gives us stories of people whose lives are hard. People who are stained and torn and taped back together over and over again. And yet people, too, who seem in the end to have no regrets. Thinking about the Apostle Paul, we can think of the stories of Paul's own imprisonment and him writing from even behind those bars about his surpassing joy. I think, too, then, of the main character of our gospel reading on this second Sunday of Advent, John the Baptist. John's life, too, was not an easy one. It was a hard one, in fact. A man who existed out in the wilderness, a wilderness that is not so much like our day hike into a national park and more like a desolate, rugged, harsh, life-threatening landscape and daily reality. A man who is introduced to us as John, son of Zechariah, as if to point out that he had, by his own volition, left the family business. His father, Zechariah, was a priest, and John would have been expected to follow in that line, but he has, by all accounts, rejected that calling, trading in his priestly garments for those of camel hair and leather. He is a man who has lived a hard life, a man who is living, too, under the constant threat of all those Roman rulers who are listed at the outset, those people who will be threatened by the crowds that begin following and showing loyalty to him. John the Baptist is another one of these biblical characters whose life is not always easy. A man who has been stained and torn and wrinkled under the pressures of time pressing down on him. And yet he seems to have no regrets. John, too, has this surprising joy about him. This joy that leads him to point to something even greater. He quotes the prophet Isaiah saying, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. He proclaims that every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked road shall become straight, and the smooth ways, the rough ways rather smooth. And he finishes with that incredible line, And all God's people will see God's salvation. There is a surprising joy in this man who lives a hard life. Barnes has a word for people like this, a word that he thinks describes well those who live a hard life and yet still find a way to point to something greater. The word is gravitas. 
people who like gravity itself, you cannot help but be drawn to. People who, despite the hurt and failure and the push and pull of life, are like weathered but savvy wilderness guides. People who keep pointing to a Savior who is nearer than can be seen. Weathered but savvy wilderness guides. You know, I don't know about you all, But there are often times in my life where I feel like I could use a wilderness guide. I could use someone with some gravitas. Someone to point out the Savior to me even when I cannot see him myself. I need that wilderness guide because the reality is that sometimes the topography of life's wildernesses, they are rugged. And harsh. Within the, each of our own wildernesses, there are mountains of work and bills, crooked paths of unclear expectations and unhealthy relationships and unspoken pain. Beyond the valleys of our grief and illnesses lay hills of doctor's appointments and job interviews and waiting and waiting and waiting. And further still are those rough ways that are formed by things like divorce and bullying and bankruptcy and on and on. The wilderness of all of our lives can feel us and leave us, in other words, feeling like cutouts on a flannel graph. Stained and scraped cutouts who have been taped back together more than once people who live in this daily reality where the high peaks and the deep valleys of our wilderness block us from being able to see the Savior. We are people who need a wilderness guide. And so how appropriate it is that on this second Sunday of Advent we are given one in the man of John the Baptist. In this season of waiting for the Savior, John is sent into the wilderness of our lives to remind us that the Savior is closer than we think. That no matter how desolate the landscape, John seems to come proclaiming the good news that it will be okay. That in God's time, the mountains and hills, they will be made low. That in God's time, the valleys will be filled in, the crooked paths will be made straight, and the rough ways will become smooth. That in God's time, all people will see God's salvation. That though we don't always know what or why or how this holy mystery that is life will play out in the end, it will be okay. Have you ever had a wilderness guide like John in your life? The person who comes to mind for me most clearly is a man that I've spoken of from this pulpit before, a man named David Bartlett. David Bartlett looked a bit like John the Baptist. Someone else over here who knew David well nods her head. 
He was tall and gangly and had this unkempt white beard that just sort of shot out in all directions. Like me, I don't think he changed his wardrobe but once every 10 or 15 years. He was perhaps the funniest, most self-effacing, brilliant person I have ever known, but he was also a person who through his scholarship and friendship and preaching may also have pointed more people to the Savior than anyone who I have ever known. He is someone who is best described, perhaps, in a single word, gravitas. If David Bartlett were standing here today, you would not be able to help but be drawn to his laughter and intellect and faith. I had the unique privilege of being in the very last class David Bartlett ever taught at Columbia Seminary. It was a preaching course, and so on the final day of that semester, our small class was gathered in the chapel where the last of the students were preaching their last sermons for that term. David didn't know what had been planned behind the scenes, but as we began to pack up our bags and get ready to leave, the doors to the chapel swung open, and what felt like most, if not all, of the seminary community came filing into that chapel. Over a hundred people filled that space, all applauding. No words, just applause. A thank you for all that this man meant to each and every one of those people. It went on for five minutes, a standing ovation for Dr. David Bartlett. He sort of gradually moved to a corner of the space. You could see the emotion welling on his face. And when the clapping finally stopped, a silence hung in the air as we waited to see what this great man might have to say to us on a day like this one. That silence hung until finally David Bartlett spoke four words. He said to all of us in that chapel, finally, it's all thanks. And without another word, he walked through that crowd and down the empty hallway and up the staircase back to his office. Finally, it's all thanks. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. Soon, friends, soon, it will all be okay. And finally, it will all be thanks. Thanks be to God. Amen.